prayed for this morning that your Holy Spirit will continue to dwell amongst us. Lord, we give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. Amen. Please remain standing. Today's scripture is from the book of James, chapter 1, verses 19, 19 through 27. This you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all the remains of wickedness, in humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. But prove yourselves doer of the word, and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. If anyone thinks himself to be religious and yet does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. This is the word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. Just a little preview. This summer will not be boring, I promise you. This book of James is so loaded. There are so many things that God is going to speak and stir up inside of all of our hearts. It's going to be a, a great summer. It's going to be great. Hey, our pastor and his wife are back. Thank you, brother. God bless you. He just couldn't stay away. This was supposed to be his last week away, but next week he'll be back up to preach, and we look forward to it, we look forward to it brother. God bless you, Brent. You know, speaking of uh, this weekend, uh, it's, a, it's a holiday weekend, and we're so excited you're here. You made the commitment to be here. You know, tomorrow night's going to be a, a very, very busy night in lots of different homes and lots of different places, so we have chosen to postpone our prayer event. Usually first month, this month, first Monday is going to be second Monday. You got that? Can you write that in? Okay. So first Monday will be second Monday. We're going to postpone it to the following Monday, just so that we have, uh, you know, more, more time and for people to prepare and for people to participate. It's going to be good. Also, one other thing before I get into the word, you know, we're going to have our first men's breakfast, uh, uh, July the 15th, Saturday, July the 15th. It's the first one we've had in a while. Okay, and it's, I know a lot of people are going to be gone already. We're talking to people, but a lot of you are in town, and we're going to make some plans. We're going to talk about some of our men's activities coming up this fall. So if you, uh, let me speak to the wives. Wives, would you make sure you put that on the refrigerator? You're not invited to come, but if you would just help make sure that your guy gets here, that'd be great. Now, men, God bless you. I know you're going to want to be a part of that. It's going to be a great morning. So uh, July 15th. Saturday at 9 a.m. It's going to be great. All right. Well, you have been, if you've been here during this series, Launching Off, you've heard some uh, great, great teaching on this first chapter of James. And I get to share the last nine verses of the first chapter. But uh, some of you are going, well, this James thing, man, I didn't know this guy was all that. And the truth was he was Jesus's earthly half-brother. You know, after uh, Mary gave birth to Jesus, of course, he was uh, miraculously conceived. She was still a virgin. But after uh, Jesus' birth, Joseph and Mary had other sons and even some daughters. 
In fact, uh, this guy that's writing this book today, James, was one of the half-brothers of Jesus. And there's another guy, Jude, who actually wrote one of the books that are contained in the New Testament, was a half-brother of Jesus. So it's really incredible. But James didn't always start off as the committed, devoted Christ follower that he became. He was a doubter. He was a mocker. He was a skeptic. And he became a believer after the resurrection because Jesus personally appeared to the disciples, it says, but it also mentions him by name. And he appeared to James also, his earthly half-brother. Well, James also was uh, one of the ones, he and his mother Mary were also part of the Pentecost group in the upper room. Uh, Jesus said, hey, wait, wait, and uh, wait for what the Father has, has promised. And they were there in the upper room when the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit fell in power. So James was part of that. It changed him. He was drastically changed. He became a pastor, was an elder, was the pillar, was one of the pillars in the church in Jerusalem. But the biggest thing is probably what he says in the first part of his own letter when he says, James, this is how he described himself, a bond servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, called his own brother, the Lord. So he was radically changed. Now, this book, uh, as we get into it, some of those topics that were kind of previewed there, some of them are going to be strong topics. In fact, this book was so... Let me just say, uh, contentious to some early church reformers, like Martin Luther didn't even think the book of James should be included in the Bible of his day. In fact, he refused to preach out of it. And he had a group of disciples that met in the monastery that he and his wife took over. And uh, he, he wouldn't teach the book of James because he felt like it put too much emphasis on works. Now, what we're going to see as we balance this out, we are saved by grace through faith. How many of you know that? But the, the, the faith that saves us is also a faith that produces good works. That's what the Bible teaches. And we know we're not saved by works, but we know we are saved in order to be able to produce good works in the name of Jesus. So, so we're going to balance that out. It's going to be some pretty good stuff. Well, today, James, man, he starts calling us he starts calling it like it is, and um, I'm going to just jump right into it. There's three things I'm going to try to unpack today, okay? And these are going to be the hooks if you're taking notes. The first one is we have to receive the Word of God, and the phrase is implanted, okay? We're going to, we're going to see that. Second thing is uh, a hook that you can hook some stuff on is you got to remember what you look like. We're going to see that, that James says, man, the Word of God not only is seed, but the Word of God is like a mirror, and then the last thing we're going to see is there's some specific things that James says, hey, if you're going to be religious, that just means committed and, 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 and uh, outlined and detailed in your commitment to Christ. He said there's some things that definitely need to characterize your life. So the, the Word of God we're going to see is a, is a direction book. It's a guidebook. So starts off at verse 19. Here it goes. He says this, this you know, my beloved. Now, let me tell you what, if I had a whistle, Mary didn't think it was a good idea that I had a whistle. I, I was going to be like the coach. You know, you remember back when, if some of you guys uh, were like me, try to be an athlete, and you know, the coach, you know, everybody be cutting up or whatever, and then the uh, coach would come in, blow his whistle, and what did he do? He was getting everybody's attention, right? He'd say, listen up. Or maybe a, a platoon leader or a sergeant or a commander would come to his troops and, attention! You know, he'd call everybody to attention. Well, that's really what James was doing here. Uh, some translations say, hey, know this. One translation says, this you should know. He's calling attention. He says, remember this. He was basically saying, hey, listen up, everybody. Listen up. This is where I was going to blow the whistle. You can say thank you to Mary later. He, has, he says, perk up. Pay attention. And this is what he said. He said, you guys, verse 21 have to, in humility, receive the Word of God implanted. It's able to save your souls. Now, first service, I said something. I didn't, I didn't explain it clearly enough. Scripture teaches 
you read it that you know, you'll see this word you are saved are saved already present tense you're saved it happened in the past and then you read other verses that talk about your being saved okay we know one day we will be saved we're you know body soul and spirit but this verse implies that it's a present tense verse that says that the word of god is saving your soul now we're going to see that that word soul it involves your mind your will and your emotions and we're going to get there in just a second but, but this, the key word is implanted, okay, implanted. Now, Shelbyville is all about implanted, right? I mean, when you see this right here, this represents what? Money. <laughs> it represents life. I mean, even in a little kernel of corn, though, there is, this is the idea, there is an image inside of this kernel of corn, you know what I mean? Now let me show, look at the next page. This is what is inside that one kernel of corn right there. A little piece of corn has an image of a full-grown six-foot corn stalk with a, at least one ear of corn. So you've got some hybrid stuff. Maybe you'll get two ears. But with, in, on that ear of corn, there's another 500 to 700 sometimes kernels of corn. Go back to that first one one time. The image is in it right now. Now, guys, that's what, the, that's what James is trying to get us to see. He's trying to say something. The Word of God, the Word of God is like seed. And when you receive it into yourself, into your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions, he says there's an image of divinity. There's an image of Jesus Christ. There's an image of good works. There's an image of a different type of life that's going to be produced. Now, it involves your will, but truthfully, it's in the seed. It's in this. This is the seed. So, so I want us to look at that for a few seconds because uh, it's just part of our life. I mean, you've heard it around here. I remember one of the first things I heard even last time I was here years ago, talking about the corn, it's knee high by the... There you go. So I, I, I made up some new ones. I thought I'd just see if they stuck. I haven't heard anybody repeat them, but it's like... Uh, top of your shoe by June 22. Any of you heard that? See, it, didn't, it just didn't take off. It, I know, it just didn't take off. Or, or I like this one too. Uh, up to your elbow by July 24. You got to say that right, see. But anyway, the 4th of July. What happens? They plant seed and it's in the ground and it's like Jesus' parable that he told. You see, Jesus was teaching parables in, in the book of Matthew, and he said, listen, all of the other parables will be understood if you get this one parable down. And it was the parable of the soils. He said, you see, the word of God is constantly being sown by preachers, by your lead pastors, by your other staff. You hear it on the radio. You can watch it on television. You read it. You read it yourself. You meditate on it. The word of God is like seed. But he said, sometimes seed goes and it falls on a hard path. You remember that? It falls on a hard path. It's so hard, it's not even enough dust there to, to cover it up to where it even takes any sprouts. He says, the birds come, the devil comes and eats it, steals it. He says, sometimes the seed falls on a rocky soil. You know, there's, there's a little bit of dirt there. It takes roots, but because it's not able to take any, uh, have any depth of soil, it quickly gets heat, especially it turns 90 degrees one day, boom, it's gone. And then he says, then there's some seed that falls in some soil and it takes roots, but there's other stuff growing there that chokes it out. You know, the things of the world and the worry about stuff, and it chokes it out. But then he, Jesus said this, but sometimes this seed will fall on good soil he says, and it takes root and it forms, it forms a crop. Look at this last one. You see, it's a process. When we have fertile soil, and that's what he said. He says, receive the word implanted in humility. That's the condition of your heart, the condition of your soil. Receive the word implanted. He says, it's able to save your soul. You say, well, wait a minute, Pastor. I thought I'm already saved. You are saved, but the truth is you're also being saved. Now, some of you know this for sure because you know you prayed to receive Christ. You know you were baptized. You know you got a different change of attitude. But man, you still got a stinking temper. What is going on with you? You know you've been born again. You know you've been saved. But there's just some things that you just can't seem to kick. 
What is that? That's because areas of your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions have to allow the seed to be implanted there so that the image of Jesus Christ that's in that seed can be produced in your mind, in your will, and in your emotions. And the truth is, you're in process. Show that one picture again of the process. You see, some of you may feel like, man, I'm just a baby. I'm a baby seed. But here's what happens. It's okay. The, seeds, the seed will put off roots every time. And then the seed will start sending up shoots every time. And then the seed is going to eventually put off fruits. Now look at this. Listen. It's in the seed. It's in the seed. See, Jesus continued that parable over there when he's talking about the soils. And he says, man, a farmer plants his seed and then he goes to bed. And he doesn't know how it happens. He says, but the seed starts growing and then it puts off a head. And he says, then there's a full stalk. And he says, and he doesn't even understand all of it, how it happens. And God says, that's the way it is with the word of God. Let me just say this. All of you that have received Christ are being changed. You are. You are being changed. Some of you who have received Christ and who have a fertile, a more fertile soil, your mind is more open to receiving the word. Your emotions are open to receiving the word. Your, your will is more open to receiving the word. You're changing faster. Can I just say that again? Some of you really are changing and becoming and looking more like Jesus faster. Some other people that are, that are Christians too. Can any of you identify with that? Now, some of you are going, yeah, I wish you'd hurry up. <laughs> That's not what I'm insisting. But the truth is, we all are being changed from one degree of glory to another degree of glory. And what James says is this. He says, guys you got to put aside some stuff, and I'm going to talk about that in a minute. He says, you got to receive the word implanted, and it's able to save your mind, your souls, your mind and your will and your emotions. See this, this word? It goes into your mind. You think differently. You start thinking differently. I, 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 I've led several men's groups, and I remember, guys, we had this one, but it was all about pornography. I'm trying to get free from pornography, and I guarantee in a group this size, men and women, that's such a prevalent uh, snare of the devil today. But, but in this group, this guy was so excited. He says, you know, he says, this week, he says, man, I, I really didn't turn on my computer one time to watch pornography. We said, good, just leave your phone off too. You know, but, but, but he was so excited. Now, you know what that was? The word had gotten into his mind and into his will, and he made the choice not to present his eyes to pornography. Now, Somebody says, well, what's the big deal? What's that guy's problem? Can I just tell you? That was, his, that was his area. Other people have other areas. But when the word of God comes into an area of your mind and, and, and you make, then it has impact on your will, your chooser, and then it has an impact on the way you feel, your emotions, you start sensing change. You start seeing change because God is changing you. Now look to the person next to you and just say, would, would you hurry up? No, just kidding. We're, God is at work in all of us. And you know what? And the truth is, we're going to see in a minute, the mirror is your mirror. You're not looking in the mirror going, oh, she needs to change. You're not looking in the mirror going, oh, that, my kids need to change. No, the mirror we're going to see in a minute is for us. So God is at work. The seed is a powerful. The seed has an image of Jesus Christ already in it, in every area of your life. And as that seed comes in us, as we receive it with humility, I mean, the attitude is a bended knee and a, a, a mouth open like a little bird saying, Lord, I want to receive from you all that you have. He says, when you in humility receive the word of God, it is able to save your souls. Amen. Here's the second thing. So you got to keep receiving the word. Uh, but then he says this. This is the little hook. Remember what you look like. Verse 22, uh, James picks up with this. He said, you got to prove yourselves doers of the word. 
Don't be merely hearers who delude themselves. Don't fake yourselves out. But he says, if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he says, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself, he goes away, and he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But the one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful doer, but an effectual doer, this man's going to be blessed in what he does. So up above, when you let the seed do its work, he says, you're going to be saved in your mind, will, and emotions. Here he says, when you let the word be a mirror in your life, and you act on what you see, he says, you're going to be blessed. So here's what happens. You open the word of God, and you read it. Sometimes we read it wrongly, incorrectly like this. Boy, I sure hope she reads this. Boy, does my son need to read this. Man, does my pastor need to hear this. You know, God says, no, this is your mirror. You're the one reading it. You're the one opening it up. You're the one spending time in it. And God says, you see your reflection in it. So the question always is, God, what are you saying to me? And God, he'll speak to you. God will show you some things that you need to change. God will show you some things you need to, you need to improve on. In fact, I want to show you a little thing that I use that helps me. Now, one of the first things you have to do, you have to get this. If you don't have a journal, you need to go to Walmart and get some of those little college journals, you know, where the class notebook, and, and get some type of journal to write in. Now, you can use a notebook. If you want to use a notebook, that's okay. But the key is when you read the Bible, you need to always have something to write in your presence. Now, if you don't, I just want to tell you, you're not being serious about reading the Bible. I love you, but my goal, the pastor's goal, the, the church's goal is to see you mature as a believer. And if you're going to mature as a believer, you cannot do it without intaking this word. It's the seed that produces the change. It's the mirror that reflects who you are in the areas where God wants to work on you. Can you say amen, somebody? Amen. Now, I'm not picking on you. Yes, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sharing with you, okay? Because I'm wanting to encourage you because God's desire for all of us is that we continue to be changed from one degree of glory to another degree of glory to another degree of glory. So my first mistake is I'll, I'll read this too many times thinking about how somebody else needs to apply it. When the truth is, God always starts with, no, this is for you. So I, I want to tell you uh, nine little words, nine little words. You say, boy, that's a lot, Pastor. That's a lot. Uh, nine little words that I think will help us. And it comes out of this word, it's really spiritual, space pet. Isn't that deep? No. Space pet. You say, where did you, that wasn't original with me. But what I do, it was, a, it was a, a little outline that I memorized years and years ago that helped me remember some of the questions I need to ask when I'm opening up the Word and spending some time alone with God. Okay? Space pets. So, so here's, here's, the, here's the first one. I use this as an outline as I'm looking in the mirror of the Word of God. So the S stands for, this is obvious, the first one, the S stands for sin to confess. So I ask myself, well, is there a sin to confess? Now let's just say you started reading, maybe you're reading through the book of Proverbs. I've heard Brad talk about this before. You know, there's 31 chapters in Proverbs. You could take a proverb a day and read through the whole book of Proverbs in a month. That's a good way. Maybe you're reading a gospel and you started reading the gospel of John. You start in chapter one and, you know, you read a chapter, maybe two chapters a day and you read through that or maybe a book in the New Testament. Wherever you're reading, you have your journal and an ink pen or pencil with you and you just ask this question, is there a sin to confess? So I was reading through Proverbs not too long ago and I came across Proverbs chapter six and it says this, there's six things the Lord hates. Seven are an abomination to him. So I'm going, oh, I'm getting ready for this. I know where this is going. It didn't go where I thought it was going. Four of the seven deal with your tongue. 
He says, man, he says, God hates it when we lie. God hates it when we slander. God hates it when we spread rumors. God says he hates it when we spread strife among the brethren. So I wrote down, you know, in my journal, Lord, help me not to be a gossip. Lord, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I, you know, have I, have I said some things that I shouldn't have said that caused thoughts in people's minds toward other people, you know, that maybe influence the way they see them from now on. And uh, that's sin, right? And we've got to be careful uh, when we say anything, to report anything. So that's the first, that's an S. Now the P uh, under space here is, the P stands for, is there a promise to claim? Now I like these a whole lot better, right? They're a lot more fun than confessing sin, but a promise to claim. Well, so I was reading the Gospel of John, and in John chapter 7, he speaks to most all of us. He says, is there anybody that's just going through it? You're tired, you're beat down, you're worn out. He says, you're just stressed out. He says, come to me when you're weary and heavy laden like that. He says, I'll give you rest. But he says this, out of your innermost being will flow a river of living water. He says, in this he spoke of the Holy Spirit who those who believed on him were to receive. Well, that's a promise. So I, I remember I wrote down in my journal, Lord, thank you for the promise of the Holy Spirit that's going to flow through me and lift me up. That's a promise. You say, yeah, but you read it and you wrote it down, but do you feel any different? I got to say it. I read it. I read it out loud. I pray it. Lord, thank you for the Holy Spirit to me. Holy Spirit, thank you. Just flow through me. You know, this isn't the end of the world. You know, this isn't heaven yet. You know, thank you that you're going to help me make it through this crisis I'm going through. But it's how the word reflects a change that God wants to make in me. Amen? So here's, here's another one. How about an A? A. S-P-A. Attitude to change. Boy, there's lots of those in there. Yeah, I could pray a lot. No, I'm sorry. I was going to say I pray for my wife a lot on this one. No, that's not true. She's, she's great. Um, but here, Philippians, so I'd read the book of Philippians one time, chapter 2. And he says this. He's, I have to use this one a lot when I play golf. Because he says, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. That's just an attitude. Don't think so much of yourself to where you're thinking you're better than somebody else. Now, where that always plays out, my older brother, who I played golf with not too long ago, he quoted this verse to me. Because I was looking for my lost ball way up here. About, <laughs> he says, your ball is way back there. He said, isn't there a verse that says you're not supposed to think so much about yourself? That you're thinking more highly of yourself that you can't hit it that far. I said, you know, you're right. So, you know, sure enough, 40 yards back, there's my ball. But anyway, an attitude to change. Do you ever just need to humble yourself in front of other people? Consider, consider other people as more important than yourself. Husbands, we start that with our wives and children. But uh, attitude to change. How about a command to obey? That's an easy one. I mean, if you read the Old Testament, there's 613 commandments. We know the Big Ten, right? 603 more. Thou shalt and thou shalt not. You know, when God says do something, he's saying help yourself. When God says don't do something, he's saying don't hurt yourself, right? And then the New Testament, though, in John, the same John, I wrote down love each other. Love people. Love people. Act in love toward people. Be kind to people. Just love people. That's a command. So uh, example to follow, man, that's a good one. Uh, I wrote down that same, out of, that same chapter in, in uh, John 13. You know, Jesus, the night before he was crucified, not only did we have communion, but he washed their feet. Now this one, I wrote some notes on. Because I, 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 Jesus washed their feet, and he said, if I be in your master, have served you and washed your feet, even so you wash one another's feet. And I'm going, God, I just don't know that I'm into that. But, the, so we take the deeper message. The deeper message is be a servant, right? Be a servant. Serve each other. That, that, was, the, that was the message of the, of the teaching, right? Be a servant. So I take that, but Jesus said, and even as I've done, you do it to other people. I went, oh man, that's deep. So anyway, that's one that I haven't acted on yet, but I've got it written down. So serve each other. But there's all so many ways to serve. Y'all serve in this church. Our, our church is such, 
It's, Brad, it's so full of servants. I mean, starting with just after church every week, man, the, putting all these chairs up and, and the servers in the children's ministry, the servers in the youth ministry and the way you guys stepped up to help Angeline with vacation Bible school next week. And, you know, the way the, the men's t- team uh, greets and some of the things that happens and it, you're incredible. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. So, so space, a sin to, a sin to uh, confess, a promise to claim, an attitude to change, a command to obey, an example to follow. Here's the first P in pet. Um, is there a prayer to pray? You say, well, I know the big one there. You know, Jesus' model prayer, that's a big one. But I, I like, the one I wrote down was when the Lord said from the cross, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I mean, it couldn't be any worse than that. Somebody's killing you. Somebody's mocking you. Somebody's, you know, tormenting you. And, and you pray for forgiveness. You pray for forgiveness for them. But that's a, that's a prayer to pray, an error to avoid. Man, Brad preached this message about not worrying. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and everything else will come to you. It'll, it'll be added to you. He says, don't worry about stuff. Well, all of these things, see what they're doing? It's seed being planted into a fertile heart. It's a mirror that you're looking into that's showing you things that God wants to add to your life or take out of your life. But if we are not presenting ourselves to this, we'll never change. We'll never change. And we all want to change, but there's a work involved. That's why... This church emphasizes small groups. That's why this church emphasizes Bible study. The T is the truth to believe. Um, man, I, Mary and I had this experience yesterday. We were uh, walking on this trail. I see, um, you know, this Shelby County and it does a great job with our, our parks. And uh, one of the main persons behind it is part of your fellowship. But uh, we were at the Blue River Park and I walked way too far. These hips just say they rebel. It's amazing. But we were sitting under this tree, and there's this big flat place. It's got some, got some nice benches there. Some of y'all have parked there before, too. And uh, this guy comes up. He's 83 years old. 83 years old, riding his bicycle. He's in such great shape and uh, looking so good. And we talk, we're talking, and, you know, I kind of took it as a divine appointment. And, you know, and started into the conversation about how we used to encourage people to witness by asking them, hey, when you go to church, where do you go? You know, he told me the church he goes to right by his house, right here in Shelbyville. And so I, I went the next step. He seemed pretty honest. Well, when did, you, uh, when did you give your heart to Christ? When, when, when were you saved? When did, when, when did you become a Christian? He goes, no, I, I can't say that I have. I went, really? I said, well, how come? <laughs> I'm going, this is, you know, he's talking, he's pretty, how, how come? Why have you not given your heart to Christ? You've been, you're, you know, 83 years old. And he said, well, I just don't think I'm ready. I went, 83 years old and you're not ready. I said, guys, he- I wanted to say, heaven's not too far down the road for you. You know that, right? Um, <laughs> but I'm not ready. And I said, well, why, why, what would happen to be ready? Jesus Christ, and I just shared simple truth real quick. You know, Jesus paid for all of your sins. He's a very merciful God. He'll give you the gift of eternal life even today, right now. I mean, you know, I didn't know this guy from Adam, so I'm going, go for it. (laughs) And um, he says, no, I'm just not ready. Now, here's an incredible truth. Incredible truth. Heaven is promised to us who believe. In John 14, this is a truth. And we've, we've got to know it deep inside of us that everybody is not going to heaven. But those of us that put our faith in Jesus Christ have the promise that heaven is a gift to us. Jesus said, you believe in God, you believe in me also. Believe in me also. In my Father's house are many rooms, many dwelling places. If it weren't so, if it weren't so I wouldn't have told you that it is so. He says, and I'm going to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you're going to come, that you're going to be there also one day. Can I just tell you, that's a truth. It's a truth that we need to know that heaven is real. And everybody is not going to heaven, but those who follow him. 
And we've got to love people enough to tell them. So I wrote that down. That's a big truth to me. But this last one, something to praise God for. Man, there's always things. One of the biggest ones in that Gospel of John passage I was reading through. He, he, in the very first chapter, he says this. He says, everyone who receives me, everyone who receives me, I give them the right to be called sons of God, children of God. I mean, man, what a, what's, that's great. Thank you, God, I'm your son. So, so here's the thing. The, the word is seed. There's an image in that that's producing the character of Christ in you. The word is like a mirror that as we just take some time to look at the mirror, God's going to show us some sins to avoid, some promises to claim, some attitudes to change. He's going to show you commandments to obey. He's going to show you examples to follow. He's going to show prayers to pray. He's going to show some errors to avoid and some truths to believe and always something to praise God for. And as you do that, you change. Can you say amen? Now, here's the thing, church. You have a responsibility, and this is where James was. And James puts a lot of the responsibility back in your lap. And he says, you've got to do something. God, through Christ, did everything required for the payment, the sin payment to be paid. And the debt of righteousness to be paid. And for the gift of God to be released. But he says, we have to receive it. And we have to avail ourselves to him. Now, the last thing is this, before we celebrate communion together. You see, the word is seed, and the word is a mirror, but the word is also, this is, this is a, a direction book. He tells us some things to do and not do. How many of you know that? Amen. I can't say we always like it, but it's always true. And our response is, Lord, show me how to line up with your word. And we've got to do that. So, so here's, here's what he says. I mean, there's nine things just in these nine verses, and I'm just going to kind of breeze through them. But the, the last hook is this, that the true religion, religious, righteous religion acts, A-C-T-S. It does something. It's not stagnant. It's just not a head thing. It's just not a core of beliefs. It's it's faith has to have action put with it. And that's what he says. The first thing he says, this is convicting enough. I could have stopped here. Verse 19. He says, he says um, know this. He says, listen up. He says, be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Now that verse right there can nail most of us. See, there's an image of a better communicator than I am sometimes in this book. If I will learn how to apply these principles, I will become a better communicator. My wife will probably enjoy it more. She's great. She has this thing about her, her, her favorite verse, not verse, her th thing to me is she'll say this, calm yourself. You've got to get the hand. Women, I'll let y'all practice this. It's not too offensive. Okay, because I don't know why, but sometimes men are more ragers than women. Now, there are some women who are ragers too, you know. Little thing ticks them off and boom, there they go. Okay, we just, everybody hold your hand out like this, just a little bit. Just a little stop, like a little stop. Calm yourself. Now, if you can practice this, just pat, pat it just a little bit. Come on, come on, y'all can do this. Come on, just cal calm yourself. Calm yourself. This works. God, y'all, you're going to use this today, some of you. Calm yourself, okay? Because it is true. Some of us don't listen too quickly, and we are way too fast to speak. Like, we're play, I'm learning how to play euchre. Is that right? Euchre? Euchre. Euchre. I'm learning how. I played three times. Haven't got it mastered yet. But, so my wife's learning too. So, now, even though... I've only played three times. I think I'm better than she is. And uh, no, I'm just kidding. So, so she, we were playing the other night, and it was so funny. And this other couple was a little, are they okay? We, we were okay. But she would ask a question, and she's really just wanting time to think about what the answer is. Well, I am the quick-to-speak person, and I want to tell her what she needs to know because I've already figured it out. I've played euchre three times now. 
And I understand what's the left and what's the right and what's the big boy and what's the smaller guy. I understand that, you know, and, and, and that, that, that the, the left is, is a Trump now. And if somebody leads Trump, you got, I mean, all of that. So she, 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 we're with this couple. They were really concerned because I'm interrupting Mary. And she, she goes, shh, shh. You know, she, she does her hand thing. She goes, wait, wait, no, be quiet. I'm thinking, I'm thinking. And they're going, oh my goodness, are they okay? We're, we're totally okay. She's just being Holy Spirit number two. And it works all the time. I mean, I know what I need. God's in me. The Holy Spirit's in me. I got the word of God and I've got Mary. You know? So I'm going, sorry guys. I don't know how you're going to change, but I'm on my way. But there's an image now look at this. There's an image of a better communicator in this book. Now some of you right now are going through marital stuff. We all have. We all have and we all will. But if you, don't, if you learn how to get these principles into your life, you will be a better communicator. You will have a better marriage. You will. It can last. But you've got to have your heart right. You've got to have fertile soil. You've got to receive it. You've got to uh, look in the mirror yourself, not just for the other person, and let God change you. And then there's some things that you just flat have to do. Shut up. Be quick to hear. Slow to speak. Slow to anger. It's pretty close. We're going to see it again in a second. Here's the second thing. He says, put aside all filthiness. Verse 21. And all that remains of wickedness, it's like a residue. He says, there's some things you just got to stop. I mentioned pornography a while ago. So prevalent, excuse me, so prevalent, men and women. If that's an issue in your home, or if it's a secret in your life, you just got to put it away, period. I mean, how drastic are you? I mean, there's buddy programs you can get to where somebody else can see what you're looking at on your computer. Do it. If you're struggling with that for moral purity, do what you've got to do. Now, I like action, shoot them up, bang, bang, you know, knock them in the head, Viking-type movie stuff. Well, Mary hates it. And what she found is a great, there's an app you can put on your phone. Listen, now I'm doing a little commercial. It's called Vid, V-I-D, Angel. It's the same company that produces the series, The Chosen. And what VidAngel, go home and look in your app store. You can download VidAngel. It's 10 bucks a month. What? Five dollars? I would never say she's wrong, but it's between five and ten dollars. <laughs> and it's worth it because what is you they, they they have access to run so many of these movies that come out like you know ryan just came out the witcher i mean some of these well you shouldn't be watching those anyway but you know it cuts all the f-bombs out it cuts all the blasphemy out it, it'll take all you've got 70 something filters you can put you know you, you you it takes all the skin shots out it takes all the sex out as far as you want it to and you put it on there and you watch the tv program you go through your app tv opens up and you can watch a lot of programs without getting bombarded with the filth that comes through much of our TV. You say, well, Pastor, what's the big deal? It's just part of our culture. Listen, F-bombs are not part of a godly culture, period. Using God's name in vain is not part of a biblical culture anywhere. Okay, you just got to get, we got to get real about some of these things. And we can, there are things we can do and not, not be weird. Okay, so Vin Angel put aside all filthiness and what remains of wickedness. Look at 26, it comes up again, it just won't stop. If anyone thinks himself to be religious, a good Christian, yet does not bridle his tongue, he deceives his own heart. His religion is worthless. See, even King David had this issue, Psalm 141 verse three. He says, he makes this prayer, set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Set a guard over it. Keep watch over the door of my lips. One modern translation says, Lord, put a muzzle on my mouth. I guess a more modern translation could say, put a cork in it, right? What do you have to do? Guys, it's everywhere. And, and if your tongue is what keeps causing the fights in your home and, and the problems with your relationships, you just got to know. James knew it. 
King David knew it. He says, do it. Bridle your tongue. What do you have to do? You need to practice this. She helps me a lot. Honestly, she helps me a lot. It just means calm yourself. See, she's not saying pray in tongues, let the Holy Spirit flow through you. You know, she's not saying any of that kind of stuff. She's just saying, you make the choice to talk softer. I don't want you raising your voice. Because, see, I was raised in a home, it's kind of like an Italian, a southern Italian home. Now, we're German, we're not anything about Italians, but we just all are hard of hearing is what it is. And everybody just talks so loud. You see, and she's thinking, I'm yelling sometimes. I'm going, I'm going, I'm not yelling. I mean, I'm not yelling, you know. But it's just the intensity. Calm yourself. Now, here's the point point of all this. It's your responsibility to take charge over your mouth. The Holy Spirit will help you. God will give you the word that has an image of a self-controlled man. God's word has the image of a peace-filled person. It has the picture of shalom, that state of peace, residing in your life and in your marriage and in your home. It's all the image that is in this book. And as we get into it, he produces it. We look at it in the mirror, we change things. And then ultimately, this is where James gets a little controversial on some of this stuff. He says, you got to do it. Just do it. Just be a Nike Christian. Just do it. You got to do it. And do it and do it and do it and do it. Keep doing it. Put a muzzle on it. And then lastly, he says, verse 27, he says, pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father. You've got to do some practical things again. He says, you've got to take care of people that can't take care of themselves. Orphans and widows. Uh, he says, keep yourself unstained from the world. There's a movie coming out tomorrow. I haven't seen it yet, so I can't give it a full endorsement. Uh, but it, it, it's got a heartbreaking story. It's about, uh, it's about child trafficking. Dilemma problem, major problem, especially with the open border policy we've had. Thousands and thousands and thousands of children being trafficked. And there's a movie coming out based on a true story. It's called The Sound of Freedom. And I, I'm going to go see it for sure this week. Um, and and I, want to, I think it's going to be worth all of us seeing, but just know it's a, you know, it's a sad story, but it's based on some truth. Uh, you know, anyway, it sounds like a little bit of Liam, uh, what's his name? Yeah. And taken plus, you know, uh, gospel truth. I don't, I don't know. It's going to be pretty good. But we've got to get serious about helping people that can't take care of themselves. Can you say amen? amen? The Word of God is seed. There's an image already inside of you that's going to grow and manifest itself. The Word of God is a mirror. As you get with your journal and get along with God and the Holy Spirit helps you, you're going to see things that he's going to change in you. And he's going to add to your life and take things away. And then you're going to have some things where he just says, do it. Just do it. Do what it takes. Get radical and do it. Amen? Amen. I'm going to ask the praise team to come back up. We're going to enter into some more worship as we celebrate communion together. But as they're coming, I want to pray for us. How many of you... um, how many of you realize, just be honest, okay? I, I'm not going to do any tricks or trap you. But know that you need to get better at letting the Word of God be higher place in your life. I just want you to be honest. Okay. Can I just say, all of us, listen, we all need to be there. Let me tell you what our church is committed to do. We're going to try to do everything we can this fall to help you, okay? Now, bottom line, what James is going to say, and you're going to hear it this month, it's up to you. Right? Don't blame your pastor. Your pastor always has opened the word. You hear the word in this church, but that's not enough. It's not enough to come to church and hear the word. So we've got to learn some skills on how to open the word and how to let it. So we're going to have groups. We're going to try to have small groups all over the place and all kinds. And in women's ministry, men's ministry, children's ministry, our student ministry. But we've all got to make this commitment. Lord, thank you for saving me. Now, let my mind, will, and emotions continue to be saved and cleansed. Lord, I pray that for our whole congregation. Lord, we we all stand the same at the foot of the cross. We're needy. God, we're all needy. And we say we need you, Lord. We need you. And we thank you, God, that you have done everything that's required for us to become 
the sons and daughters of God that you have called us to be. So Lord, give us grace to receive it. Give us grace to operate and to act in obedience. And we just thank you that you started the work in us and you're going to finish it. And we're just very, very, very grateful. We say thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You know, what we're going to do is, y'all have done this before. If, if you haven't before here at our church, just follow the crowd. And I'm going to invite everyone to come and uh, get the elements, the piece of bread and the cup. You don't have to be a member here. Uh, but this is for everybody that wants to participate. And then return to your seats and hold the elements. We're going to eat them together, okay? But uh, would you stand with me? We're going to sing. And while people are traveling, getting the elements, we're going to worship. Then I'll come back and lead us. I hear the Savior say, Thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all in all. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. If there are any of you that did not receive the elements, you just come and take one of those. This is not for people who are perfect. How many of you know that? This is um, something that the Lord Jesus commanded us to do. And he said, as often as you do it, do it in remembrance of me. And we do it the first Sunday of every month because it's a reminder. It's the clearest reminder that Jesus gave us of what he did for us and the night that before he was crucified he had Passover meal with his disciples and then it says after after that dinner he took a piece of bread and he broke it and he explained to them he said this is a picture this represents this is my body that is broken for you and as we hold this bread in our hand it's a reminder that Jesus Christ God in human flesh humbled himself to the point of death, taking in his body our stripes and our sins and taking them to a cross, was totally broken. Was, he was the one that was laid ashamed, naked, and tormented for our sins. And this is a reminder. Jesus was broken for us, but it's also a reminder of our hope for healing. 
because in Christ, our lives get put back together. They come back together. And so, Lord, thank you. When you pray with me out loud, just everybody pray with me out loud. Lord, thank you for your broken body, for my healing and my wholeness. Thank you. Amen. Let's pray. Let's eat. Mm. Scripture then says, in the same way, Jesus took a cup. And he held the cup up and he said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Now, the old covenant was inaugurated and ratified through the blood of bulls and goats. And, and Jesus says, no, those are just a reminder of sins. But what I'm going to do for you is I'm going to shed my blood that's going to pay the penalty for your sins forever. Ever, one time, forever. And it's our hope. And if you have this cup in your hand, it's not saying that your mind, will, and emotions have been totally changed yet. You're changed, but you're not perfect yet. One day when you see Jesus face to face, we're going to be made perfect. But in the meantime, the Word of God is changing us. It's changing us. But this is the only thing on this side of heaven that makes us acceptable to a holy God the blood that Jesus shed for us and our faith in that. If you're here and you've never trusted Christ, can I just invite you? It began for every single one of us with a simple prayer, a hard attitude that says, I need a savior. Jesus, you paid the price for me and I need it and I receive it. If you'll say that out loud, even as we pray, I believe the Holy Spirit will do a work in your heart. Pray with me, everyone. Lord Jesus, thank you for shedding your blood for me. I have no hope for heaven except through what you did for me. Now make this your personal prayer. Jesus, thank you for dying for me. I receive you and receive what you did for me. Amen. Let's drink together. Amen. Let's sing that last verse again. Jesus paid it all. Can we do it one more time? Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Sin had left a crimson stain. together we say thank you Lord for what you've done for us and we receive your grace and your mercy and God we give ourselves to you Lord as you show us ourselves and the word even this week God we commit because of your grace that we're going to change we're going to allow you to change us from one degree of glory to another degree we say change us Lord thank you for this fellowship thank you for 
Pastor Brad and Jackie being back. God, refresh, continue to refresh them. Thank you for the team that's here and all the servant leaders that we have. God, thank you for everything that you're doing and are going to do, continue to do. And again, Lord, we thank you for this holiday weekend where we celebrate the birth of our country. And Lord, we know we stand in need of revival. And so, Lord, we pray that even what we've experienced here today as uh, the presence of God, Lord, that, that our country would experience it again in a fresh and a powerful way. So, Lord, we thank you. Thank you, God, for your grace and mercy to us. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. God bless you. I know I talked about servants a while ago. You guys